Hello, and welcome to Here There Be Dragons, a Black Seals podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Lewis. And little disclaimer, it's very cold in our apartment, so our cat, Allison, is curled up next to us close to the microphone. So if you hear any purring noises, it's not Lewis. Okay. It's Allison. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. So, here is what happens in episode six. First, we briefly catch up with Anne, who's guarding Max, before we head back to the pirate ship. As Gates and the crew try various ways to kill Bryson, Billy is freaking out about the letter from Mrs. Barlow. In the ship's hold, Mr. Scott is confronted by another slave who ends up sending a signal to the pirates. Billy finally reads the letter from Mrs. Barlow, but he can only focus on one word, betrayal. He immediately tells Gates, who pushes back, saying Flint is in charge, and as long as they're at war, that's the way it's got to be. Meanwhile, Miranda gets a late-night visit from the pastor, which is very inappropriate. Anne partners with Eleanor to take down what remains of Vane's crew. After forcing Silver to help, they draw Jack into the plan and succeed in in killing all eight men. Meanwhile, Flint sees the signal from the slaves, and he teams up with them to defeat Bryson and his crew. While they're moving the treasured guns to Flint's ship, an explosion is set off, alerting the Scarborough. Billy, quote-unquote, falls into the water during the escape. Max ends up back in the brothel, and we end with Vane meeting the huge bearded man. This is episode six, or Uh V-I, which could be Vi or V. Which also stands for V good. Also V exciting. <laughs> yes. So this is, yeah, I feel like that's just going to continue. Uh-huh. It's going to continue into episode seven as well. V. Aye, aye, Captain. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's good. Yeah. We're, we've got um, stand-up comedy no, next on the list no, as no. our newest project. No, no. <laughs> I'm talking over you while you said that, so we can't use this audio. Um but, um, yeah, so this episode's really exciting, and it has a huge uh, plot thing that happens. Billy goes overboard. Yeah. Billy's dead. Well. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I feel like it's not, like, we've watched the show. Yeah. It's not spoiler territory for us to say, hmm, is Billy dead? Because right. Billy Bones is a character, is the name of a character in Treasure Island. Yes. Maybe someone has... Stolen his identity. Sure. That ha- could happen. That's possible. Um, somebody's assuming the identity of another pirate. Mm-hmm. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also, um, but also, like, we didn't see him die. Yeah. And the show, like, kind of pokes fun at that, even with the whole burial at sea mm-hmm. uh, scene where they're tossing the bodies overboard and they're like, we don't have anything for Billy. Mm-hmm. We don't have his body. We don't know where it is. It's probably alive walking around somewhere. Like, <laughs> they may as well have said that, you know. Um, but for all intents and purposes, the plot beat is that Flint killed Billy, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. feels so soon. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like this is also one of those moments when you're watching the show where you're like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, they've been telling us that Flint is. Not that he's ruthless, but that, like, he's got his eyes set on a goal, and yeah. the men are in means to the to an end. Yeah. And we can start to like his crew, and we can have opinions about Gates and Billy and Silver and all these people all we want, but, like, you know, they are just... 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're just tools in his mm-hmm. util- dance. Tools in his dance, sure. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. They're tap shoes in they're, his little dance routine okay. that he does. Sure. And when they're done, when some are done and worn down, he just tosses them overboard and switches to a new pair. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, a couple of things. So I, I think Morley now is clearly foreshadowing this that mm. you know, showing us that Flint is capable of doing this action, and on top of that, that Flint is capable of doing this action with very little information. Oh yeah. Like he was willing to kill Morley just because he th- he heard he was talking about Mrs. Barlow and the Maria Lane. You know, like he doesn't have solid proof or he doesn't like he he's just really willing to take that step. Yeah, and I can't even remember when um when did he hear about Billy talking about the letter? Did Billy ever tell him about the letter? Um, did he even overhear Billy talking specifically about a letter? I think that that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's the scene where he's talking to Gates Mm -hmm. and Gates is like, why are you even talking to me about this? We're in the middle of a war. Yeah. Um, and then Flint walks over and says, what are you two talking about? Maybe we're just supposed to assume that Flint heard them. Either Flint heard them or Gates mentioned it to him. So if Gates mentioned it to him, mm-hmm. then that look on Gates's face when Flint says, man overboard, yeah. Billy's in the water, or yeah. Billy went over, or whatever he said, yeah. um, that's not just, like, sadness and, and slight terror. It's also guilt. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, even if he wasn't the one who told Flint about the letter, there's got to be a guilty... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think he both was, like a father figure slash protective person over Billy and like deeply cared about him. But he also is clearly the one who has to keep the peace between Flint and the crew. Yeah. Like he's the only buffer between Flint and the crew. Uh huh. And also I was going to say on sort of like a meta level of the show, sort of like how we were saying, like the characters are so smart that they'll, just do something, they'll just take an action when it makes sense to take an action. I also love that the show is like, stuff is going to happen. Like, we're not going to draw this out. It's only episode six. Like, some major plot stuff is happening in this episode. Yeah. And Billy being thrown overboard by Flint is huge. Yeah. That's like a a major, major movement in the plot. Yeah. That you could have saved for the finale. Of the season. Of the season. Yeah. But the show's like, no, this is when it would happen. Yeah. It even feels, I mean, but even then it still feels like early to me. Yeah. But then the other big revelation, and I wonder, I'm so fascinated. I wish I could just like talk to to the writers like at this moment and when they were writing the show and just wonder like, are you scared? Like, it, yeah. is Flint is our protagonist? Question mark. And like, mm-hmm. he's just doing awful things constantly. And they're not. I mean, I don't know. It's it's not like he's being objectively awful. Although I think probably I you think could say he is. But awful. the bigger affront is that he is killing other characters that we like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like killing Billy is like like I think we're supposed to like Billy. Oh, I think definitely. we're supposed to like Flint. And I think that I this mean, is. I think especially when we've been talking about the show so far, we've really focused on Billy as one of our protagonists. And you can feel that in the story of season one, that it's like, 
this is the story of Billy, be, like, growing into his role. Yeah. And then, you know, it's kind of, as you were talking about the twist, I was sort of reminded of the Game of Thrones twist. Mm. Which I guess we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, like, spoiler alert if you haven't watched the first season of Game of Thrones and yeah. want to. Yeah. Um, so sorry, but we're going to talk about yeah. that, I guess. But so in the first season of Game of Thrones, they introduced this character um, who is, um, I wouldn't say the protagonist, like, the show starts off with an ensemble structure, but then not very late into season one, or I guess on the later late. end of season one, um, they kill one of the main characters mm-hmm. who, like, you would have assumed was going to be around for longer than he is. Well, not only that, but was one of the most moral, good characters. Well, that's what I was going to say. The the parallel here is that Billy has stood not just for us and like, oh, he's coming up in this world, but he's also, as he's been given more power and given more opportunity to see more of the plot and be closer to these characters, he's also stuck to this like very naive, like morally unambiguous worldview. Yeah. And... In Game of Thrones, that like that was the point. They they right. were sort of like, yeah, Ned was being dumb. He was mm-hmm. being completely dumb. He was fall. He was investigating a conspiracy that was clearly dangerous, and he wasn't treating it with the amount of discretion and like frankly dirtiness that he should have. Yeah. He he <clears throat> thought that light would would expose darkness, and yeah. like Billy. Billy had a little bit of that in him too, and I think Flint tried to like show him why that wasn't. Mm-hmm. logical and this is where it got him <laughs> yeah um so that's that's interesting mm-hmm. um do we want to just sort of explain what the letter is um well yeah i mean that's the other big thing because that, that, that that's the other thing that i wonder about because there's this thing that happens that billy's thrown over but also is the letter supposed to be a huge moment for us with Flynn's character. Like, are we, when Billy reads that letter and reads it out loud, or uh, Miranda's voiceover does it, are we supposed to be like, oh, shit. I mean, I was really, because I remember the first time I watched it, I was kind of confused. Yeah. By the letter. So I was really trying to listen to it this time. And it's, I think it's basically her, from her perspective, it's her saying, we want to enter back into civilization and Richard Guthrie has given us this in yeah. with this guy. So here's some money to like get us back into society because she's done right. with this. Which is a betrayal of Flint because it means that she doesn't believe in him to get the Urca gold anymore. Yeah, well, and she didn't tell him about this. And she didn't, <laughs> and she didn't tell him about it. But from Billy's perspective, I think that he doesn't really understand it all, but he sees... Two things. He sees Flint is with wicked men. Oh, yeah. And also he sees they don't know of his betrayal. Yeah. So I think that that's enough evidence for Billy to be like, he is somehow screwing us over. And I already know he's willing to let people die yeah. to get what he wants. Yeah. I I think you're right. I think the letter is a little confusing. Yeah. Because I remember listening to it also the, the very first time I watched it and mm-hmm. thinking, what about the content of this letter is scandalous because it's yeah. sort of hard to hear like he wants out is what it sounds like that's not scandalous yeah. the thing is just the suspicion of the word betrayal right. and the they're surrounded by wicked she says he's surrounded by wicked men who will react when they find out about his betrayal yeah but the betrayal itself is not in the letter right and which is confusing to me it is con- it's can and it's like 
I almost wonder if we're supposed to kind of be in Billy's shoes because yeah. the wording is kind of confusing. And that combined with we hear Miranda talking, but we also are seeing more men die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For Flint. Yeah. That's when they're trying to do the um, the smoke bomb thing mm-hmm. where the guy goes down and he's trying to be really sneaky and then he just ends up getting shot. Um, so, like, we're seeing another sacrifice for Flint to get what he wants while we're hearing this letter that's kind of confusing, but we hear the words wicked and betrayal and we're like, this confirms everything that I'm thinking about Flint and it totally goes with what my images of him right now. Yeah. So Billy has this idea of Flint in his head and he's trying to go to Gates with it. But we see that Gates is really in his role as quartermaster. Yeah. It says, this is what we agreed to. Yeah. We agreed that Flint is captain, which means when we're in war, which we are right now, we're going to do what he says. Yeah. And he's like, why would you even, it's not even like it's rules. It's just like, why would you even undermine that right now? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a cool side of Gates that, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's just, it's extremely tense and like Mm -hmm. it shows not just like practicality, but an intensity that, I don't know. It's cool. Like I, I I haven't been like totally, um, enamored of Gates's leadership abilities, but when Billy shows him this letter and Gates is like, what do you want me to do about this? Yeah. Are you crazy? This is the, let me tell you what the situation is. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. Yeah. This does not matter right now. Yeah. Um, I like that. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly what Flynn says. People need certainty. Right. And Gates has certainty. Yeah. But it's like, it's almost, it's, it's this like, it's this thing that Gates is doing that Flint has done the whole time where he is like manipulating the truth. Not like he's lying, but like he's actually manipulating the truth of the world mm-hmm. when he says, Billy, this is immaterial. Mm-hmm. What's material is we're in war right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, the, you see the word betrayal, you see some huge scandal here, and it's not like this doesn't matter. This does not exist. We are on, yeah. <laughs> we're in the middle of the ocean on a, on a, like, a ship mm-hmm. where there's another warship coming. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's like more profound than just a, like, that doesn't matter or brushing aside. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a Billy, the truth is that this is not, this is nothing. Yeah. You know, um, in a, in like a, in an intense way that is also like you know, a little, a little fascist. <laughs> you know, like it's a little like like that's what it is. I mean, it's like yeah. it's absolute authority given to this one figure who has the ability to shape. It's and it's not even Flint himself doing it of saying like you found this letter and that letter doesn't exist. It's like his right hand men saying uh, that letter is not a it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, I know that this transaction didn't happen literally in the episode, but you could feel Billy, like, shaking the letter at them and saying, I have this letter. Mm-hmm. And Gates saying, you have nothing in your hands. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I don't know. It's like, it's so intense. And so. Um, but I think the thing that separates Gates and Flint is that Flint is able to hold both of those things in his brain at once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it totally bites Gates in the butt that he didn't take this letter seriously and he didn't take the conflict between Billy and Flint seriously. You mean because then he allowed <clears throat> Billy to... To be killed. Yeah. Yeah. You think that he should have 
or he thinks that he should have actually done something about the letter? I mean, I think that if Gates was like, actually listened to Billy and was like, okay, this captain is causing people to die. I think that Gates could easily have led a mutiny. Oh. Against Flint. Yeah. But instead, because he believes in Flint's certainty and he believes in his mission, his leadership, he quashes the mutiny. Yeah. And that gets Billy killed. Yeah. This is sort of a sidetrack kind of later in the episode after after kind of the big battle and um, and Flint sees Mr. Scott again for the first time. And Flint says, I know exactly what you did. Yeah. And I just faced a mutiny. And if I wanted to, I could just throw you to my men and blame this whole mess on you. And I would kind of get off free or scot free. But <laughs> Mr. Scott free. <laughs> but, <laughs> but instead, I'm choosing to prove you wrong. Yeah. You liked that. I liked that a lot. So Mr. Scott being there also is... uh... It's interesting to see Mr. Scott actually coming from a place of privilege. Yeah. Within this scenario. And he's he's faced what seems like for kind of one of the first times with people who are like, no, you don't get it. We're being bought and sold. Yeah. They put us in chains and they don't want to take them off. Yeah. Like, you got an education. You say you love someone back at Nassau. You've had a home in Nassau. Like, you don't get it. You don't get what's actually been going on for us. And you kind of get the sense that Mr. Scott is, like, very cynical, uh-huh. even from his from this place of privilege. He's saying, you know... Nassau, if we go back, a lot of you are still going to be bought and sold. Maybe like a couple strong men will be able to break free and become a pirate. But it's going to be basically the same outcome if we go to Nassau. And also it's going to bring these guns back and that's going to hurt Eleanor. Yeah. So I don't want to do it. And I think he comes to the realization that there are a lot more people in that hold with him than just himself. Well, it makes you, it makes you me wonder um, what his interaction has been with other slaves in his in his yeah. life because he sort of seems. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's what you said. He seems like he's learning during mm-hmm. the episode. I mean, there's like a very clear arc from like this first mm-hmm. conversation he has with this woman to saving her mm-hmm. um, that feels like maybe it's maybe it's a little oversimplistically written, but um, there's a clear, like, point A and point B. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know, it, 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 it uh, inadvertently gives us more background, I guess, on Mr. Scott, on, on not just what his life has been like domestically with Eleanor and the Guthries, but what his life hasn't been like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I don't know, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's also, I mean... The, the storyline of the slaves in the story in this episode is um, provides for this really cool I mean this really cool moment with the white flag when they send the signal out and the yeah. pirates see it and then they sort of um, they without communicating are able to hatch this plan I, I mean I love the scene where the pirates are banging on the top of the ship mm-hmm. while the slaves are um, 
breaking their chains below. Yeah, they're really working together. It's cool. I mean, and it's supposed to be. Uh, it's. I think it's supposed to be also a parallel of like the pirates are. Um, if this was a G-rated story, the pirates would be freedom fighters. Like they, they, yeah, they yeah. fight back against an empire. You know, like they are. They stand on the side of freedom. Now it's like it's more complicated than that, and mm-hmm. they're way. Um, morally worse than that yeah um but i think in this story i think this story being itself like thinking of itself as a um a spin on a myth or a spin on um you know fiction like genre fiction that is steeped in storytelling tropes they want us to see the pirates and the slaves as allies or yeah. and not just in this moment not just opportunistic mm-hmm. allies but sort of they are cosmic allies mm-hmm. um and that they are united always against a, a, a force like mm-hmm. um the british or the the bostonians or whoever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i also just really love that the um the person who confronts mr scott and is sort of the featured character of the group is a woman mm. Because, I mean, she's one of the she's one of these characters where she actually very easily could have been a man, hmm. and I think in a lot of other shows would be a man, but <clears throat> but because she's, I, I don't know. I just love that they. It seems like the show actively tries to make choices to include female characters when they can. Yeah, I mean, I thought about that a lot during the other plot of this episode, which is Eleanor and right. and Anne. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's cool. Yeah. And I just love that she, she gets to stab the captain in the end. Oh, that the... When he's crawling yeah. with his gross face, and she yeah. just stabs him. Oh, I also love that his booby trap eventually does go off. Yeah. It's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the signal to Scarborough, yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, can we talk about Eleanor and Anne now? Yeah. <laughs> Always. Always. 24 sevs. I'm all about them. Um, I love Anne. <laughs> I, I love, I mean, it's just, in every episode, Anne yeah. is going to mug and do yeah. her thing under that hat and sort of, like, say funny things to people. <laughs> yeah. Um, that we're, may or may not quote back on the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but she's like just so badass and yeah. so and so cool, and I love, um, I love just the meta story of this of this episode being that she just finally goes off and does something on her own, and yeah. it's not like she's like, it's not like she's she's somehow crawling under the shadow, crawling out from under the shadow of Jack because you don't get the sense that she likes leaving the shadows very often. Yeah, but when she does, she's. She's just sort of like, yeah, no, I, I didn't include you. <laughs> yeah, you were a pawn in this, but, like, I knew that you would just go along with it, so I didn't even talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think this is another point where the first time I watched it, I was actually a little bit confused what the mm. plan was. I thought that Jack actually was in on it for a while. Yeah. But, so, just real quick, the the plan is that Eleanor and Anne band together. To, Eleanor plants pearls in... Jack's things or Max's things. No, they're in Jack's things. In Jack's tent. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. In Jack's tent. And Wait, how do you know Eleanor does that? It could be Anne. I, I guess it could be Anne, but I assume because Eleanor has the money. Oh, yeah. So that's the other thing. Who? Where'd she get the money? 
I mean, I think Eleanor just like has some money. So she just those pearls are not from the original transaction. In no, any way. not at all. Okay. No, I think that she planted the pearls for Jack and then got silver to plant the seed of this betrayal that happened. Um, as like everyone, you know, he's like a true source of the first deal. So basically, silver tells the crew. Jack screwed you over. He actually has all these pearls from when he tried to make the deal in the first place. He kept half of them. Mm-hmm. So when the crew gets mad, they go to see him, and that's when Anne says the, the rest of the pearls are buried at the wrecks where they have then planned a sabotage ambush. Mm-hmm. So Jack is not in on the plan at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all a lie. And it's all a lie, yeah, between the two girls. And the ambush is... Con- is um, Conducted by Eleanor's men. Yeah, by the Irish guy who is great. just popped up every once in a while. Love him just like mugging in the background. Love him. He's yeah. so loyal to Eleanor. Yeah, love, love him. that. Love him. Um, I just love the moment where Anne's like, I need your help. And Eleanor's like, Well, your plan is really bad. And Anne's like, What do you mean? I just want to kill this guy. And Eleanor's like, No. It's not vicious enough. We have to kill <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and Anne looks like a little freaked out. Yeah. But you know what? Also, I did have a moment in that scene where I was like thinking about what we talked about last week when you said what sort of recourse would there be for Jack killing these people mm-hmm. um, or for, or yeah. 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 And, um, you know, for all, like, I, I feel like the politics and the state of, like, every person's move is so clear on the pirate ships and on Nassau. It's not so clear mm-hmm. that, like, Eleanor suffered, or, or maybe it is clear and we're just, like, I'm just understanding the stakes correctly. But, like, mm-hmm. she very publicly said, vain, you are stripped of power yeah. in this public arena. Mm-hmm. And it has haunted her for days days or weeks mm-hmm. since that happened and now she's sort of in the dead of night just being like let's kill eight of his men like let's just do it and uh-huh. I just don't um, it doesn't feel consistent to me that she that she would jump to murder to solve a problem like this especially for uh-huh. I mean maybe for Max maybe it's just because Max is involved she well, would go that far the way that the way that I track it is she banished Vane and his crew and then Horn and Gold made her rescind it and very publicly rescind it. He then went to the to Lily White, the guy who was talking to the whole crowd, to say she took it back, Vane's okay, tell everybody. And we see the gross guy walking around the whole town of Nassau being like, she's done, she's over, she, we're back. Yeah. Like, she's dead to us. Because she just caved. So I think that Eleanor, kind of like a mob boss, yeah, is like, okay, um, yeah, I said that they're okay. They're going to die tonight. <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with it. But somehow they all disappeared. Yeah. But it wasn't me, you know? Like yeah. she's reasserting her power. In a way that sends a very clear message yeah. to the island. Yeah. Because um, 
Because Anne sort of assesses correctly that she she says it's not okay if I'm implicated in this, but right. like it's okay if you fucking kill these guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or if people think you did, and it's not. And it's yeah. not. Yeah, and I mean it's it's exactly what Silver says, kind of I think towards the end of it, where he's like, I don't know who to be more scared of, you or Flint. Yeah, and that line rings false to me because it's just I mean it's just like we talked about like Eleanor has more power Mm -hmm. but Flint is scarier (laughs) he's just a scarier guy like and 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 maybe it's just supposed to be like she'll Eleanor I mean I guess I mean I, I mean it's fair we've seen enough from Eleanor to see that she is she is ruthless. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like we've seen her equal parts be like hit with obstacles. And yeah. like she overcomes them every time. But she's constantly hit with obstacles. Mm-hmm. And Flint is not it's not like he's not hit with the obstacles, but he just sort of like eliminates them before they're a problem in yeah. a way. Yeah. Like she's she's recklessly reckless. <laughs> like she, I don't know. I, I mean and and I get the point of the line and I get she is a mob boss and she just carried out this execution in the dead of night. Yeah. But um she's Tony it, Soprano. Yeah, but it also felt like or what our friend Ned just uh t- told us he's just watched the episode. He said uh that it's reminiscent of Walter White in Breaking Bad when he conducts a prison uh yes, execution the from, prison shanking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it is interesting to see that like Flint tries to keep this facade of being like a benevolent dictator, you know, like he always tells his crew, like, we're doing this so we can get rich. (laughs) Like, we are all going to get this prize. We are all working to get these guns like this. This is for us. We're all in it together. And I think that Eleanor is very much like, no, this is my power. This is my town. I run it. And it's ultimately going to be the best choice for everybody if I run it. But it's me. Yeah, I guess. But also it's like. If you, if any of you people have anybody you want to kill, come ask me, and I'll tell you how to kill seven of their friends too. <laughs> like you know, it's not like it was a big master plan. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it was. I don't know. I just think there's a there's a difference in the way they want to present themselves to their yeah. subjects. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get sort of a hint, or more of a hint, of the relationship between Anne and Max. Yeah. The way I was thinking of it, there's a point where um, Max is, like, going back to her room in the brothel, and she's like, thank you for what you did. And Anne's like, I didn't do it for you. And it just made me think of, like, you know, like, those crushes you had when you were little where you, like, gave them a cookie, and they're like, that's really nice, thanks. And you're like, well, I didn't want to eat it anyways. Yeah. That's why I gave it to you. Yeah. (laughs) You know? It just feels like a young crush. Is that what you're reading from it? From that moment in particular, that's kind of what I got. Because the rest of it has been like, has been more about Anne than it is about Max. Yes. It's been about her listening to a woman being victimized by this crew. I'm I'm still talking about Anne, too, in this scenario, that Anne has the crush. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. But I mean, like, I'm not saying, I I think if you're feeling that, that would be the first time we've seen that. Because every other scene up to this point has been indicating to me that Anne is doing this for her own self. Yeah. Because 
because we see how it makes her feel like it, 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 it makes her feel awful mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because of her own experience with this crew. And, and when she says that to Max or in the last episode, when she says, if you give it, they'll take it. Yeah. I, you know, in that scene, I didn't get the sense that she was saying it to Max, like as life advice. I got the sense no. she was saying it to Max as being like, I've learned this yes. and I want other people to know it too, so that they stop giving us shit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think this was the first. But the, okay, but this was different. Just that the specific moment felt different. Yeah. Well, and and the actress's delivery of it in particular. Yeah. Didn't do it for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's wrong. <laughs> um. Oh, also, there's um. It's interesting. So last episode, we were kind of talking about like if Eleanor was a man, her actions would have been celebrated. And Anne explicitly points that out this episode, uh, except about Max. She says, um, when she's talking to Eleanor, she's like, we all loved it when Max stood up to you and came back to our crew. And I wanted to toast her. And if she had a cock, we all would have. Yeah. Like she very explicitly knows what's up. Yeah. In terms of gender roles and dynamics. Yeah. Um. So I just thought it was interesting because I've totally thought of Eleanor in that way, but I didn't think of Max in that way. As what if this character was a man? What would the response be to her huh. actions? Yeah. So it was cool to see Anne point that out explicitly in this episode. Yeah. So also Miranda's off in her corner of the island. Yeah, speaking of male-female relationships. So she has a sort of bizarre encounter with the preacher she does, and it's confusing to me. So it was, I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, he goes down there mm-hmm. to say, like, on one hand to say, you think you're in danger, but also definitely because he's horny. Yeah. Um, and the scene seems to be for the purpose of showing us, of her maybe explicitly spelling out, like, I am not in danger from him. Even yeah. though she, like, we've seen now that she sent a letter. Yeah. Uh, um that he was not aware of, but she doesn't seem in any way like, like I'm in any, I don't know. She doesn't seem like she, she should, has any reason to be scared of Flint at all. Right. Um, she seems very confident yeah. in the relationship. And, um, and then she sort of like pokes fun at this guy and then has sex with him. And the first time I watched it or the first time we watched this, mm-hmm. I think we were both sort of like, this seems gratuitous and weird. Mm-hmm. But the second time I think, just because, I don't know, I guess we're just watching closer now. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is a follow-up to the what we talked about a few episodes ago when she had incredibly uninteresting bad sex with Flint. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, this is clearly, she's clearly got this very, um, um, I don't want to say powerful partnership, but she's got a very, like, serious partnership with Flint mm-hmm. that seems to be devoid of passion. Yeah. And... I don't know if she's looking for passion from this guy, but she's definitely looking for desire. Desire, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and also like the stories that they say about her and the backstory we got about um about her is that she was known for having affairs. Yeah. So like this is another this is another her just like sleeping with other men while Flint's off on the open sea doing his thing. Yeah. I've been trying to think about it more and I think it's also connected to her, it seems like she's currently 
really missing her old life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of coming up for her that she's missing being in the salons with her husband and debating and talking. And she's like, you would have loved him because he would have, like, really pushed your buttons. And so it seems like the only debate and intellectual stimulation she's getting is from the pastor and that he's, like, the closest thing to her old life that she has available. Yeah. So I think it's being lonely and wanting that again. And I think there's also something something with this idea of love and shame and how he's like he's so obsessed with shame but she's trying to give a message of love and like I feel like that's playing a role and I don't know. I'm still confused by it, but I'm trying to think of I think there's like 10 reasons going on at once is why it's confusing. Um, But she also says something that's really interesting where she says, um, happy life is a dangerous life because it's something other people can't abide. I think I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but she says something along those lines, which is like, damn, take that. And that's a theme for the show, you know? Um, Yeah, I just love the phrase. Because we talked about gossip and shame and civilization as other other people having these oppressive forces of, around you and that a happy life is thing that other people can't abide it. Abide is such a great word. <laughs> it feels civilized, but it's so nasty, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this is sort of the time where we go into, like, extra thoughts that we didn't, <laughs> that we didn't we have a time get for to that? say. We sort of do oh, for extra at thoughts. the end of the yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thought I had is that I wonder if this is the first time that Mr. Scott has killed someone. Oh, my God. Yeah, we don't even think about that. Yeah. Wait, that's not an extra thought. That's that's <laughs> the thought. Like that is that's the a major thought. That's the cherry on top of everything we just said about what his life was like and what it wasn't like. Yeah. Like his life was not did not involve murder, yeah. hmm So that's intense. That is intense. To go from saying, I don't care about you people that I'm in the hold with to I'm gonna commit my first murder to help save these people and myself. Well, and also like, I mean, you want to go really deep into the psychology. Like he was, you know, it's screwed up, but he, he was clearly betrayed by Mr. Guthrie. Yeah. And he still felt some sort of loyalty to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was, that may have also carried over into the entire crew of the ship that it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm definitely locked up here and in chains, but like they know who I am and they're friends right. with Guthrie and I'm friends with Guthrie. Yeah. I mean, that's a real thing to then, like, yeah. murder one of them mm-hmm. is to cross a line that mm-hmm. I felt like he that, that he clearly wasn't ready to cross earlier in the episode. Yeah. Ugh. It's awful. It'll be interesting to see where Mr. Scott goes from here. Yeah. Because we've also talked about him trying to stay on the side of civilization before and not go full pirate. Yeah. Eleanor wants to go full pirate, it feels like. She's, like, itching to go full pirate. And he's always been like, bring it back, bring it back. <laughs> so. But I was going to come back and be like, Eleanor, you should try killing people. It's great. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We didn't talk about um, Jack at all. What about him? Well, I'm interested in the moment where he says... Um, 
He says, I'm so disappointed in you. Yeah. To Anne. Because I wonder if it, is he disappointed because he's not a part of the plan? Or is he disappointed because he feels like it's a betrayal? Or is he disappointed because she, like, has so secret? I read know? it I read it as Jack understood instantly what was happening, and he was yeah. like, oh, you're going to kill these guys. Uh-huh. And it was just disappointment that she couldn't keep it together. <laughs> like, But I, I think it was because I think she's been showing clearly that she wants to kill them. Yeah. And he's said in this episode, it wasn't in, in this episode where he was like, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Jack's brain was just working a mile a minute. And when he was like, oh, she's acknowledging this lie. Oh, she's going to kill him. <laughs> like that was yeah. his, his, I'm so disappointed in you was like, I thought we could just stay above this. But yeah. it was also, you know, it's also like really shitty of him. Like, of course, it's really she, shitty. of course she couldn't stay above it. Well, and I think he kind of realizes that it's shitty of him because he, he also says something like, I didn't realize how much this upset you. Yeah. Like, I think he's acknowledging that like, I've. I've been a bad partner. Like yeah. I, I didn't actually take this seriously. How, how you were feeling, um, and then also, uh, when they're walking into the wrecks, and he's like, "I can't believe you didn't talk to me about this before. Like, why didn't you give me a chance to weigh in on this?" And Anne's like, "No, you did have a chance. I did talk to you about this. You made it really clear what your position was." Yeah. And then um, I also love later when they're sitting in the brothel again and Jack's like, what did he say to Eleanor that would convince her that I'd go along with this plan? And Anne just so matter-of-factly is like, well, you'd choose me over the crew. And I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) And Jack's like, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, their partnership is just being more and more solidified. It's like they are... They are together. Well, it's not just the partnership. I think it's also um, the beginning of Anne doing stuff. I mean, I don't want to say again, like, it's her breaking out on her own because mm-hmm. that's it doesn't seem like that's the relationship she has with Jack. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like, I don't know, like, Jack. Uh, I mean, it feels like it's the first time that she's taken independent action in a while or maybe not even independent action but action that explicitly goes against what Jack has said he wants and it's not even explicitly against it's just it's well done Mm -hmm. like she enacted a plot without him which is usually his thing yeah and just went off and did what she wanted Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's like she learned from him but she's now like stealing a page from his playbook yeah and um you know, I don't know if he feels weird about that, but I think it's like an unfamiliar thing for him to, yeah. to have to su- suddenly contend with Anne as like a, as like that sort of sparring partner. I don't know. I'm thinking more and more that the I'm disappointed in you is like, I'm disappointed that we didn't talk about this plan together and like make it together if that's what you really wanted to do. Mm. I don't know. Cause it, cause it doesn't feel like he's mad at her by like, you didn't do what I wanted or like you didn't do what I asked you to do. You didn't stay in line. You didn't like be my subservient girlfriend and do what I said. You know, it doesn't feel like he's mad at her in that way. It just feels like he's, he's like, I, I didn't listen to you. You didn't talk to me. And now we have this whole mess 
on our hands, (laughs) you know. Um, Do you have any other final thoughts? Uh, I do not. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like there's not much to talk about this episode, actually. Yeah, this plot, it's a very plot-heavy episode, and and not so much themes. Well, and also it's just like wearing its intentions and stuff on its sleeve in a way that's, I mean, it's really fun to watch. Yeah. 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 I hope if it's your first time watching, I hope it's helped also clarify some things that I know were confusing for me on, on my first time. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Um, check us out on Twitter at there be sales. Check us out on podcast, Apple podcasts. Mm -hmm. Leave us a review. Review and rating helps other people find us and tell your friends. That helps people find us too. Tell your friends about the show. Yeah. Don't tell them about us until they're ready for us. <laughs> tell them first about Black Sales. Uh huh. And, um. We had our say, so now you have yours. Mm, yeah, that's a good one, though. So, t- um. So tweet at us. Well, no, don't. No. Well, you can tweet at us. Why are you still talking? You, you nailed it, and then okay. you kept talking. Okay. Okay. We're Bye. Done. Bye. <laughs>